Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined by Lee Carlo and Chapin Hemingway. Uh, today we got sort of a double feature for you. We're going to be reviewing the new Netflix film Pieces of a Woman. And we're going to discuss, discuss briefly about uh, the 2020 film The Assistant. I wanted to stay at home. She sounds really good. Hi, baby. I wanted the baby to decide when she wanted to come. My daughter came into this world. For the time that she did. I can't bring her back. Martha, is that you? How are you? The 60 to 70% of these cases, we rarely find a satisfactory explanation. There is something between us. Certain things medically we just don't have answers for. for your loss thank you all right guys so a lot of times on this podcast and rightfully and deservingly so we talk about endings to movies in their impact on the greater good of the film itself with pieces of a woman i think it's justified to talk about beginnings because this movie has a doozy of a beginning it has and we'll get into the details of it exactly um but for the sake of this intro, let's just say it's a rough watch. It's a suspenseful. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's suspenseful. It, it it it's it gets the audience sort of in a room with three characters and is gripping and doesn't let go. So my my question, I guess, is as a filmmaker, as somebody who needs to do that to grip their audiences how important is it to make a strong intro and the counter to that is if you do make such a strong intro do you risk losing your audience for the rest of the film well i want to point out that there is a brief scene that i was pointed out when i read one of the reviews of this movie after i watched it about that I had to be reminded of when they go and buy a car or rather Ellen Burst buys her daughter and son-in-law a car for their new family or their impending Yeah, before family. the yeah. that's really the first. And scene. the the you the uh, reviewer pointed out in this article that you get a good sense of their relationship, the sort of the dynamic of this little family um, from that scene. And so I think that that's an important I don't I don't want to forget about that, but I think Jeremy you're talking about uh, and, and we should just say spoilers. Um, I mean, this is what the movie's about. So if you know, yep. but if yep. uh, you want to know it, if you don't want any spoilers, turn it, out. It's turn in the now. plot synopsis. Yeah. So uh, they decide to have a home birth, and uh, I believe it's about a thirty-minute scene. And I think yeah. for the most part, it's played out in one or two shots. Um, it's and, made to look like one. There's a couple spots where you could maybe suggest there's a hidden cut. Uh, and so it starts with them kind of conversing in the kitchen and eventually ends with their baby going into essentially cardiac arrest and a uh, 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 um, the EMTs arriving to care for it, the baby. Um, and then we eventually find out the baby dies and the rest of the movie is about the sort of aftermath of all that. And I think in this case, it's super important, that opening. It's important to have this inciting event that is the basis for the rest of the movie. Like, that needs to be... I mean, it doesn't need to be, but I think this movie benefits from, one, that being an incredibly effective, intense, emotional scene. Um, but also, for the rest of the movie, like, you're... I don't know. It just sets the tone in a way. Like, 
I found myself like like praying for the scene to end, wanting it to end quickly. But you you also you also like you need that event to kind of I don't know. It, like I, I was trying to imagine the film without it. Like, what if we just went into it in the scene afterwards? Um, right. Where? Well, my my point isn't that there wasn't another scene beforehand because you're right, there was. But it's it's basically the unflinching power of that scene is what sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Yes. And like, wh- did you uh, did you arrive to the conclusion that because of that? You got hooked on these characters. You understood their plight because you just went through something with them. And you were able to be engaged with their story moving forward. Or did that beginning scene, maybe you thought it was too much. I don't know. Whatever it was, did you then think that the rest of this, the the movie was sort of meandering and had had lost any way it had? Uh, Tabin, I'm glad you brought up the, the thought of trying to imagine this movie without that opening scene because I'm a really big advocate of the idea that if you want your audience to feel like your character has been through something significant, traumatic, whatever it may be, then we need to see them go through it. And don't sugarcoat it. And this movie certainly doesn't sugarcoat anything in that opening 30 minutes. And for that reason, that's a successful opening scene. I think... It was an extraordinarily hard watch for me. I was very, very nervous going into this movie because I knew uh, what that first 30 minutes was going to entail. And that doesn't happen to me very often. I was very uncomfortable watching it. I agree with that. Um, I I specifically was just like, I didn't want Sarah to see it. Yep, and I was was nervous for you guys watching it and for Sarah. And Lydia didn't watch it, um, but I I don't think... I do not think that she would have been able to. Um, yeah, uh, Sarah did not watch it, by the way. She, I was just, and every time she walked in behind me, I was I, I like paused it, and I was like, yeah. I just can't have this. It, it's harrowing and it's visceral and it's effective for that reason. Um, but to your point, Jeremy, I also wrote the note um, about whether or not this by doing this, this director set himself up to fail. And we'll get into that. I think it was a really effective storytelling tool. The way that he shot this all in one in one shot, the obviously the 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 action that took place on screen was a really effective storytelling tool. From a filmmaking perspective, though, it's a, it's hard to follow up. And yeah, and let's uh, let's mention that the director here, Cornell Mandruzo, is a foreign director um, from Ukraine. I believe we looked up right. He's from foreign. Hungary. From, he's from foreign. He's from foreign. He's from Hungary. I did. I did start to wonder if what we saw in those thir- first thirty minutes ended up being all that this movie will be known for, and as a result, ending up being not much more than a gimmick. Sounds cheap to call it that because it's well done. But as this movie goes on. I don't want to say he entirely abandoned his filmmaking style. There's no more 30-minute wonners, but there are some longer shots, and there's a there's a consistent pacing to this movie. But it is, it is a departure from what we have watched. There is nothing even close to the visceral nature of that opening scene. Uh, if anything, maybe there's a, a heated argument about two-thirds of the way through this movie. There, there are some, are, though. There are some. There's the sex scene. The, the potential yeah. sex scene. There's the argument at Ellen Burns' house, which takes place, I believe, in a prolonged shot, meandering shot. But yes, there's nothing. I yeah. mean, there's nothing like this. Nothing quite like this. Half and an so hour single shot. It doesn't. It doesn't completely abandon it, but it does. But you are constantly thinking about that opening scene throughout this movie, and it makes it hard to separate the two, or, or I guess it makes it hard to join the two really hmm. and and make it feel like it's one cohesive movie um i i don't know jeremy if it answers any of the questions that you were saying i don't know that it uh like makes you endeared to the characters at all or invests you in their f- i don't know if any of those specifics are true but i know that the it this definitely hooked me i mean i i, I, I if i had to like verbalize my emotion 
after that scene, it would be like, well, what is, does he have in store for us next? And we should also give a lot of credit to the writer of the film who the, the writer and director are partners. And I evidently they had a similar experience that they based this on. Um, so in terms of this hooking me, here's the problem I had with that. And this is personal rather than uh, a subjective critique of the movie. I, this is so horrible what happens to these people. I didn't want to see it happen, and I don't really want to see the aftermath of it. And it made me question why a movie like this needs to be made. We aren't here to tell filmmakers they can and cannot make a movie, of course. And there is something to be said for the idea that like this is something that happens to a lot of people. So let's put it on screen. Uh, maybe this can be therapeutic in a way to anybody who's been through a similar experience. I can't imagine For how. me, I mean, aside from the visceral nature and having to watch it, play out i you know the the grieving aspect the second and third acts of this movie maybe is some is relatable in some way um and i can understand that to a certain extent i i didn't want to see it i didn't want to see the pain that these characters are going through after that something like this happens and that made it hard for that opening scene to in fact hook me and that's why it's personal like i for me i don't this think is this is a, i don't it is because this is a pain I don't want to see people going through. That's not an yeah, interesting movie to me. Yeah, but I don't think that's personal. I felt the same way. Literally, my first note is I don't really want to watch any of this. That's my first note. Like, when, like halfway through that scene, I just, I, I just that was my that was my feeling as an audience member. But I think a lot of people would feel that way about that opening scene. I'm talking right. after after the fact. Well, do I, I want to I, watch Vanessa Kirby? Her character's name is Martha and Sean. Do I want to watch their marriage fall apart? Do I want to watch well, her just like suffering through a year after this happens and and trying try, listening to people constantly tell her that she needs to move on or accept this? Well, you could and, say that about a lot of dramatic film situations. I, yeah, I agree. She, I agree 100%. But this in particular was hard for me. And it the the very specific nature of what the the story that this movie is telling is what was hard for me. I yeah, thought I, I thought it might Lee. be a PSA against home births. Maybe is a one. <laughs> well, one that thing for that sure. Um, yeah, I I wrote down that this is it's sort of a misery porn movie, and on our Sound of Metal podcast, we talked about how that movie was like an, a gritty indie like this was, but never went down that road of overly melodramatic. And this one absolutely did. It was it was over the top at a lot of times, and it also felt like the writing was one degree mute, uh, removed from the English language in a weird way. Yeah. Um, I understand like that. The, the arguments were just like what I perceive somebody very, very on the nose from yeah. a, a foreign country would imagine Americans having these sort of melodramatic arguments. And this movie sort of spun its wheels after that opening scene. And I think some reviewer said it was a, a muted melodrama. And I was like, that's kind of perfectly how to put it. I mean, like nothing, I mean, stuff happens, but nothing happens. Every time something bad happens, it was on the nose. Mm. Um, I don't um, know. It, I, it was it was misery porn to can, me, while, and, and a little bit. While yeah. we're on it, I'm gonna let, let me just put my cards on the table and tell you what I, the problems I think are just inherently ha I have with this movie. Um, I think the ending is a atrocious, uh, a, uh, a mess. I don't know I mean, what it, they were it, doing. It, it basically ends in a sort of very traditional courtroom drama way that is seemingly out of touch with the rest of the tone told, of the movie. It told me they didn't know where they were going with their movie. Yeah. Like, um, and uh, there was another scene, another something that, ha and I, I'll agree with that comment about the dialogue. I think, the, I think the film sort of structurally is a little predictable, but um, I had to make guys like, and, and I should tell like the, the, the listeners that like, I mean, I just had a baby four months ago who was a, a, a month early. So it's not anywhere near as traumatic as the, what happened in, this movie, but you know, it's a little scary and, um, I can kind of relate to the relationship stuff that was happening in this film. Um, and so that uh, I may have been predisposed to be, uh, moved by this movie, but, um, I really just, I really was like, I, 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 I can't, I can't deny that I, I watched these things happening, like the bad ending and a couple other sort of really 
trite moments, but I, I mean, I was, I was just on board. Um, I think, you know, like I, I can tell you the flaws. I recognize the flaws, but, um, this movie just like very moved me very, very much. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I can't really help that, but I'm I, happy I to think discuss. That's interesting. <laughs> well, I think that's very interesting because I didn't dislike this movie. I, I think it has problems. I think for my own personal reasons, I struggled with the subject matter in terms of just wanting to watch it and sort of being forced to sit through it. Um, I had a hard time being moved by any of it because I, I found too many of these characters to be hateful and not that maybe, maybe they, maybe they earned that. Maybe they'd been through something that, of course, they, you know, Vanessa Kirby's character had a right to be and, and Shia LaBeouf's character had a right to be. But uh, the arguments, the passive aggressiveness, the the extramarital affairs, like the actions these characters were taking to me didn't didn't give me anything to to latch on to. I, I had a hard time getting behind these characters, knowing what they'd been through, wanting to root for them. I had a hard time doing that. So that that was kind of my problem with the characters in the movie. I didn't dislike this movie. As hard as it was for me to watch, as much as I didn't want to watch their grief, I didn't think it was wholly a bad movie. I, th- I agree. The ending had w- was another movie. I Specifically the second, the, the opening courtroom scene, which is essentially like the second to last scene. That final scene where we hear her talk to the... To the um, the nurse that w- that came to deliver the baby, I thought was fine. I was glad that happened because I spent the whole movie trying to understand why everybody was so mad at this woman that didn't seem to do anything wrong. The midwife. The midwife, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, and and it hint like the her emotion. So we should say for those people who are listening who haven't watched the movie, they the uh, Vanessa Kirby's character's mother is encouraging her. And Shia LaBeouf as the child's father is somewhat involved in wanting to sort of sue this woman and pursue criminal charges against the midwife that uh, delivered the baby who eventually died. And you don't really understand like what she did wrong. Like even though you witness that scene, like you're not exactly sure what it is. And um, there seemed to do a pretty good job. the, The babies aren't supposed to die. That's that's true. That's what she that's did true. wrong. There's that's, and so and so throughout the down. film, that's that's kind of a subplot that we talk about. Like, wh- when are they gonna move on this? And it ends with, I you know, essentially, uh, Vanessa Kirby gives testimony and they break, and then her emotional change, de- you know, happens by her develop getting the film developed from the night of their delivery and. Um, and and because people in this right. 2020 film right. still use because that was, yeah, that this was is and, and he's they have a they're using a pretty shitty like 1995 Olympus film camera to shoot their <laughs> delivery instead of their but, iPhone. But still, like I like I, I I was really moved by that scene. Like it was so stupid. Like nobody fucking uses film cameras when anymore. She found, when she found the but, picture, but when she got the picture and her emotional catharsis, I thought was very moving. I couldn't imagine yep. getting that. And and I think her emotional journey in that is quite real and has a lot of. Um, real uh, like emotion to it and an interesting arc like she she seeing that doesn't upset her it it gives her some catharsis in a weird way and for and she wants to forgive this woman but you know again like structurally like looking at this on a more objective level you understand that like we haven't seen this movie since we haven't seen this woman um since the opening scene and so we don't i mean we don't really care what happens to her i guess i don't know i don't um the, the movie only pays half attention to this lawsuit that's going on in the background. It's very poorly done. But Chapin, that scene you're talking about is very moving. It's it's there's when the movie the movie does those scenes really well. There's another scene earlier in the movie where they're getting the uh, gravestone engraved, and it has the baby's name on it, which is Yvette, and it's spelled incorrectly. And everyone's sort of shrugging their shoulders at it, like, well, what does it matter? Because the baby, like you never really had the baby and and Vanessa Kirby is insistent that the name is spelled the way it was supposed to be spelled. And I thought that scene was equally moving. Like that's a moment where this was still her daughter. She held her daughter 
for seconds before she died. And again, like the, these moments like that, I, they're hard to watch, but they're effective in that in that way because you can only imagine what it was like for her to see that picture after all these months had gone by. That that and only picture that she has holding her baby before she dies. It's it's horrible. It's the the worst thing imaginable. I don't even like talking about it on the podcast. And Lee, but I think that that moment and and what we're supposed to glean from her emotional journey there is a catharsis that I think does give meaning to this film, whether it's whether it makes it worth going through the heartache of the entire film. I mean, I mean, you could say that about any one of these serious dramas, but you know, the idea that, uh, this little child, you know, and it's brief moments on the planet, you know, weren't gonna, in this, in, in her mother's eyes, weren't, wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to mean somebody loses their license or ruins their life because of this brief little light. And I thought that that was a nice, a nice and interesting place for the movie to go. I do too. Well, I liked that. I, I felt like it annoyed me. The movie annoyed me that it put me through that whole first, whatever, 40 minutes to then not give me anything afterwards to basically give me bad writing like on the nose metaphors of of bridges and her seeing little what, girls what bridge is that and, in Boston, by the way. Yeah, that's the oh, one yeah. that they're still building it over the Charles. <laughs> yeah, that's the only the, the, only the indication wi- this was Boston was a cab that they used fourteen the, times. I want to come back to that because the widest portion of the Charles River ever. And, I, and like it's just it wasn't worth it for me to to sit through that beginning part, which I you know. Ultimately, oh, but, yeah. I need something from that. I need to but feel. But the scenes and, with Shia LaBeouf, the relationship scenes, the failed sex them. scene, really? I hated it. I thought it was. I thought it was. Ugh! It was kind of gross. It was like mm. it just. It was just. I just felt like this director had seen one too many American indie movies and took the, the, what he thought were the most emotional scenes of all of them. And, and threw them all together and didn't know how to piece one to the next. So the in-between scenes were just her sitting, looking out the window, smoking. Um, I, I don't, like, I just thought the, I thought the, the writing was not good. And, and it was, this whole movie was really saved by its acting. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But I mean, the, no, the I, I, I did I, not I, like it. I, I, I can, I identify with what you're saying. But I just, I don't, I, like, I know that these pieces are there and they don't really work. I don't know that I feel that, as strongly as you do that I don't think, I didn't think the dialogue was that bad, but, um, I, I don't know if the dialogue I, I was as bad as the situational awareness of those scenes. But there were those moments where, like, where, like, their movie. debate, where, like, Shia LaBeouf's character is on the verge of tears because he doesn't really, he doesn't want her to donate the body to medical science or, or, and I thought that was a really wrenching moment when, when he's trying to connect with his wife and he can't. Um, I, I think a lot of what you're talking about, Jeremy, at least what I identified was with the Ellen Burns character who plays the rich matriarch of, of Vanessa Kirby's family. And she is probably the most flawed character in this, except for maybe the lawyer, um, their attorney. Uh, but Ellen Burst like is such a good actress that she brings some real I agree. Uh dimension agree to that. that character. Like and I agree, she like, she like buys off she like pays Shia to leave. She says awful things to her daughter, but she does it with such grace that you start to think I mean I don't want to get into like my well, maybe I do, but I don't know if I want to make this podcast a, a one about home birth, but when she said that awful line, if you did it my way, we wouldn't be in this situation. She said it in such like a powerful, like such a sympathetic way that it's a horrible line. It's a horrible thing to say to your daughter, but Ellen Burns sold it. Like I was kind of like, I agree. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I'm not going to argue with any of the acting here. And I think it did to an extent save this movie, but I don't think this movie is, the some of its parts really Mm. i think there are some things you can you can get behind and some scenes and some emotional moments but i i think overall it meanders throughout this sort of grief and misery 
without really having and 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 the ending is sort of proof of this without really having any idea of where it's going or what it's trying to say other than sad sad misery sad hmm. i'm i'm having a hard time picking a side here um because i agree especially with what you just said jeremy about this movie's inability to know where it wants to go and what it really is trying to say but Chapin, you uh, you brought up a lot of very specific scenes that I also found moving and I think were effective in its attempt to try to say something. So I'm kind of split down the middle here. I, I think that this movie struggled with authenticity, um, which is interesting to say after that opening scene, which I think is very authentic and very visceral. But, you know, we brought up the that this movie is set in Boston, but so clearly not filmed in Boston. And I, it's oddly... A bigger problem than that may seem and what i mean by that is if you take that opening 30 minutes you know it's it's very gut-wrenching it's obviously uh meant to be a very authentic representation of of what's happening and now the whole movie has the pressure of living up to that so we're looking closely at everything else in this movie and expecting it to us to immerse us in as an authentic experience so you try to follow these characters that feel very written. Their problems are very obvious. You know, their actions are very obvious. Sean, Shia LaBeouf's character, sleeps with the lawyer that also happens to be his wife's cousin. You know, the speech that Ellen Burstein gives about being born at a concentration camp, essentially, or, or after her father was sent to the ghetto. I mean, it's it's another gut-wrenching moment and well-delivered, but it felt very scripted and it you know again where this movie's searching for authenticity in the screenplay and it it struggles to live up to it and then the end the whole storyline there it's it's trying to find a through line through this whole movie that we can relate to and because bring us back to that those moments at the beginning but it all feels very written or ham-fisted and none of it feels authentic so those bigger scenes especially I felt like just didn't land. Some of those smaller moments, Shia LaBeouf walking down the hallway crying, the 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 scene with the name on the gravestone, the scene looking at the picture, you know, maybe those aren't as small moments, but I found those to work. When this movie tries to have plot point, like linchpin plot points throughout, it failed because they were never consistent and they were never living up to the authenticity of the beginning of this movie. And Montreal for Boston was a microcosm of that problem. Well, like, I also th- I also wonder if they had to do that because it's such an American story. And if they'd sent it, uh, set it in Montreal, they just would have gone to the hospital. Don't say a city name. Just, well, they would <laughs> they would have just had to go to the hospital because they would have been free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, the one of the the this is. <laughs> A good argument for why maybe this isn't a great film is the uh, the film lingers on these dates, you know, like to give you a perspective of how long it's been. And they, they do it over a shot Living of bridges. this bridge that we find out at the beginning Shia LaBeouf's character is, is working on. Um, and obviously it's a, sort of a tired metaphor, first of all, but... Um, it's just it's it just one every time you look at it you're like that's not in Boston <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> I don't know, I know what river that is that's um, but so there's that and if it was in Boston they'd never be able to build it in it's a the year. river be, guys, it's the river we years. set it's the river if only that bridge had been there for Jeremy's bachelor party we would have gotten to Montreal much faster instead of sitting in traffic for four hours right there of course trying to get right. over oh, that, that river was ridiculous yeah and I was the one fucking driving so um, <laughs> uh, no but uh and and so yeah a tired metaphor uh silly bridge you know Shia LaBeouf's character says you know I want to take want to be I want to take my daughter to be the first person to cross the bridge when it's done okay fine um you you honestly could have taken that entire thing out like just like gone in in uh, an editing program and, and, and literally in outed all those sections and you would have missed absolutely nothing um but because of that I didn't really I mean I, I didn't like those scenes at all but um and I found them distracting but honestly like it didn't really have that much of a negative effect for me um, look, I mean, I want to defend this film. I'm not really sure how I don't, I, I don't, I, 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 I think you did Chapin. I think there is this, if, if you are able to take this movie in, it can be very moving. There are moments in this, this movie that 
show a character going through one of the worst things that a person can go through and trying to deal with that and coming to terms with it in their own way, despite how other characters are telling them they need to. Uh, and I think some of that is very moving. And I okay. think that's a endorsement for the movie. I have a hard time recommending this to anybody because I could, I did not like watching this. This is a movie that is, is painful for the characters in it and for yes. the people watching it. And it's not just because the scene at the beginning is visceral. It's because what happens in it is something that you don't wish on anybody. And Well, that and it doesn't have the sort of payoff for the experience it gives you. Well, I think that like, Chapin's it, argument is that maybe it does in that, well, that final yeah. scene, second to last scene. Okay, well, I guess we should move on to well, uh, the acting. Well, because I, that's... I have one question for you guys that okay. pertains to yours, Jeremy. Your opening question, Jeremy. Do you guys think, you know, putting yourself in the director's seat for a second, do you guys think that, one, first of all, that they made that scene knowing that the majority of the audience would, would know what was going to happen at the end of it? And two, well, if if the answer is yes, does that change the way both that you structure that scene and its its sort of intended um, purpose? Well, I think that's what like what I was saying at the uh, my answer at the beginning because I think the intention going into this movie is that you know what happens. The the synopsis on imdb is when a young mother's home birth ends in an unfathomable tragedy she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning i mean that tells us what happens i don't think there's anything really to um decipher there but i think in doing that he needed to show it in the most visceral visceral way possible which is what i was saying before is you need to see your characters go through something traumatic in order to understand that trauma you can't have a scene you can't sugarcoat a scene you can't just have a movie open saying that this happened to you revealing that it happened to this character and then expecting us to follow this character in the same way that we do in this movie i think you know you have as audience members we have to in some way shape or form go through these things with our characters and so Shooting that opening the way he did, from like I said, from a storytelling perspective, I think was the best choice. I think this story struggled to know where it was going after that. I think some of the filmmaking didn't quite live up to the the reputation it set for itself. But other than that, I think the director knew what he was doing and probably made the right choice. Yeah, I mean, like I'd give it, I'd I'd love to give it credit for it's for that scene and I can like I, I that scene was effective but as I, I I've said before one scene doesn't make a movie and I I I needed a payoff there I needed something and I didn't even need to feel good I I could have ended that movie um being like well that was a fucking miserable experience but god damn it did it did they take me through it? And that was some good direction. Uh, I, I think of a movie like, like Roma almost that has like a similar scene in the middle of it. And that there's a lot of scenes in that movie that take you through it. And you're like, Jesus, that's, that's an experience. But at the end of the day, that was, that was a magnificently directed film that, that took you somewhere and kept you somewhere. Um, and had, a payoff for it's like the entirety of watching it. Whereas this one, it just, I didn't feel like it did. Anything else? No, no, no. I was just thinking like, it's interesting if you, if he went into that sequence, is it more effective if you know what's going to happen at the end? I also feel like the way I it think was so. filmed. I think it is more. I think all, it's, you, like, if, if I didn't know it had happened, and the only reason I knew something bad had happened was because Lee texted us, it's a rough watch. Well, I said that. So, or, or, that was you? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I think it's more effective. No, Sorry. It's it's worse, but it's it's worse to watch, but it's much more effective knowing that it ends in tragedy. Right. So yeah, that, but that just the point. way it's filmed, yeah. you know it doesn't go well. Right, right. Okay, then that answers my question. Are you want to talk about the acting? Sure. 
Uh, what is your your experience previous to this with uh, Vanessa Kirby? Do you do you guys have watched the Impossible Crown Fallout, yeah. The Crown, and Fallout? <laughs> uh, and she um, she like was a standout in the crown i mean i love the crown and there's a lot of really great acting in that but she was like the one you know when you you know with those really great series you find one person you're like oh this is the this is the standout performance yeah she's and, the one you can't wait to get back yeah, on and she on just has that, this like luminous sure. presence and she's beautiful but kind of in a unique looking way she's got these big window eyes and i think she's a great actress and i think there was a lot in this performance that um i w- had a lot of re- like verisimilitude a lot of a lot of truth in that performance um with you know personal experience i guess like just like what an event like that can do to you and the way it can she just kind of i mean she's not she there's a couple moments she has where she you can see her building up with rage and, and, and bursting. And I think some of those moments are to your point, Jeremy hampered a little bit by the writing. I wish they weren't. Um, yeah. but her just most of the movie, she's just a little removed, a little aloof and you don't quite understand what she's going through. And I think she does that so well. And it's like, it's a hard thing to play. You know, it's not like, go, it's not like the yeah, director no. says you really need to have a, you really need to be angry here. Or you really need to, feel the the death of your daughter it's more like you need to come out of the scene and for the rest of the movie you see the world in just like this slightly different way and it's as if you're like just a little bit drunk or high or looking at the world in a different way for the whole movie that's a really uh, great description of it i i read a yeah that is a really great description and she was she was fantastic and to me she sort of saved this movie I mean, without her performance, I, I don't think I would have had anything to latch on to at all. Um, but she's amazing in it. And it's like one of those things where like almost like a how do you know? How how do you know if you haven't gone through that experience? How are you able to even accurately portray this? And I, I don't know the answer to that, um, but she does. I, I read a pretty convincing review that was very critical of this movie. And in so many words, the reviewer called her performance dull. And I understood totally where he was coming from. And again, it was convincing. And I was, I was nearly swayed by the idea that I was like, is she pulling this off or is, or are we just kind of watching her do nothing? But, you know, I agree with you guys. I think what she had to do was very, very difficult. And there is a range of emotions here. It's just not the type of range that we're used to from standout lead performances. It's distant. It's sad. It's, you know, it's all these kind of subtle emotions that are not easy to pull off individually, never mind showing a range between them. And I think she does that great. And I I don't know that it was a, a, a situation where she was saving the movie. I think she fit nicely into the the pacing and mood of the movie and that that worked nicely yeah i can't imagine anyone thinking she didn't do anything here because she was acting her ass off without showing it yeah without until that saying, until that and, argument then they that was the uh who's gonna win the oscar first between her and ellen bernstein so no you know what i i thought she was way better than ellen bernstein and i think mm, the writing man, had a lot know. to do with it um and I think they both were better than Shia LaBeouf. I think he was fine, but I think he, he was, was hamming it up. I, I thought mm. there was moments where he was hamming it up. Yeah. He was like, it's hard. He was in the the misery porn independent film. It's hard with him because, like, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like his personal oh. life seems to suggest there's a scene he, in this that's very representative yeah, of that what he's, he's essentially who of. that yeah. who he is. Um, but I I thought it really worked. I mean, I think some of the things we described about Riz Ahmed and uh, Sound of Metal apply here, Like, except he, of course, does eventually succumb to his addiction. Um, I also think they, like, parse him pretty well throughout the movie. Like, I feel like you could really you could really get tired of that performance, um, but they don't they, they don't let you get too tired of it. Um, I thought he was really good and effective. I 
really like Shia LaBeouf. I don't really know why, but I think because um, he's a good actor. I think he's good in this. Um, Ellen Burstein was very good. I, the, I mean, the acting across the board was good. Molly Parker played the midwife. I thought she her was, performance she was, was great. really good. Um, Benny Safdie's good in this. Benny Safdie I don't know why he was good. in this movie, but <laughs> I'll take it. What's her name from Succession? Yeah, Sarah Snook, who playing, plays a, the playing essentially the same part. Jimmy Fails from Last Black Man in San Francisco. Right, yeah, he that, had a small always, role. Always sympathetic, always empathetic, Jimmy Eliza Fails. Eliza Schlesinger from that movie that Jeremy worked on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that uh, I yeah. didn't even know she was in. <laughs> um, okay. So thumbs up for the performances. Welcome. Have a seat. Whatever's going on, you can tell me. That's what I'm here for. You're relatively new to the company. I mean, I've been working here for nearly two months. And you're under a lot of stress. Entry-level jobs in this industry are tough, right? Long hours? First one in, last one out. Good night. You're smart. You have to be smart. It's a tough job, but I can see that you've got what it takes. I want those new pages before I get on a plane. He promised the first thing. Where are we at? 200K and two points. Maybe you can put in a good word for you. No, he'll hire externally. Listen, his schedule has shifted. to 7 p.m. work? Still at the hotel, or...? Yes. What? This is turkey. I said chicken. <laughs> There's a girl waiting. Oh, her. She's been here before. A few times. What is it? The wife. Say he's in an important meeting. No, say he's in a screening. Where is he? What did you say to him? What did you say? They told me you were smart. I overreacted. It was not my place to question your decision. I will not let you down again. You know, you can always come to us, right? Come to us first, okay? So why are we talking about a movie um, that came out in February, guys? Because we both well, all watched it for the for the fixies. We watched it for the fixies, and we weren't able to do this podcast last night. I had a long work day, but we were texting, and the assistant got brought up because we have this spreadsheet that we all go off of that Lee kindly put together. Expertly and put together. Yeah, he. Uh, it's got check marks. He, there's, there's got check marks, and you know, if you watch it, you check it, and uh, then oh. there's also a column for must. What is it? Must watch. Yeah. Uh, Lee, I will, I will say and, those checks don't translate to mobile. So once I've finished a movie, I like to go on my phone and do the it checks. Works and, on works on my mobile taping. So. You, you use Google Sheets? I do. Okay, I'll, I'll try to try to make that work. Sorry, continue. <laughs> the important things. Uh, and Lee marked this as a must watch. Yep. Uh, a must see, actually. Um, so obviously, you know, we're trying to catch up with all the 2020 movies. So whenever we get a chance, we go through a little spreadsheet here and we say, well, haven't we seen? So Chapin and I watched The Assistant, um, and it got brought up on our text chain and we have some differing opinions here. I know I Chapin, you have, you want to start this one off. So go well, ahead. Well, I just thought I'd tell people what the movie's about. It's about. That's about your, Har That's your take. It's about Harvey Weinstein. I mean, they don't say it explicitly, but it's definitely supposed to be harvey weinstein you don't see him you hear him on the phone he sounds just like harvey weinstein you you get like little glimpses of him like walking by but you don't see his face but um and it and it's about a, a newly hired assistant a young woman who uh is one of i think three assistants in this you know development company where harvey weinstein works which and, we'll get to and uh we'll get to the location and um it's just a day in her life. And the film is very, um, seemingly very sort of objectively watching her move through the day. Um, and my take is just, is very simple guys, is that I think one of the joys of this podcast and one of the joys of watching great movies is digging deep into a film and exposing the different layers of that film. And, and usually it's within those subsurface layers where the real greatness and great films lie. And, and I found myself enjoying watching this movie. And I, 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 I sort of liked, I love the idea of, of I love the idea of the movie. I like the, the, the idea, the fact that it takes place in one day, the style of the film worked for me, but then I just dug a little deeper and I had a very rare experience where once I did, I started to think, Oh, this isn't a good movie. This is actually a bad movie. Um, and that's my take. Jeremy agrees with me, and Lee, Lee thought this movie was 
good and well, he... the best way the best way i can put it is i think it literally was the same five minutes over and over and over again um th- this movie had no substance to it like it it it's an important it's an important message but a message a movie does not make like we get like we get that i don't that even think there's is, a message there really i mean like, it's more yeah, like well, a it's part a mes- of a message. it's a me too message it's a it's, message you guys about are, you guys are wrong on so many levels already but wait, first of wait, all wait, 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 the wait. very before, first before... thing you said this movie is not about harvey weinstein it is okay it's not it's not it is about the p- people complicit in a situation like the Weinstein situation. It is about the people that worked for that company. And it tells the story of how these people came became complicit. And Jane, the character played by Julia Garner, we'll talk about her performance too, which you guys also didn't seem to be totally on board with. She isn't a victim of this abuse the way we think. She is not a, a sexual victim of Harvey Weinstein's or the, the, the Harvey Weinstein character in this movie. She is a victim the same way a lot of other people in this movie are victims, perhaps men and women, in that they are made complicit in these actions and forced to turn a blind eye. And that is what this movie is about. And there's a message. There's several messages in how that plays out and how that happens to people and how this culture exists and nobody says anything about it. So to start off to say that this movie is about Harvey Weinstein means you're already on the wrong page of what this movie is trying to do. But no, but it's clearly supposed to be Harvey Weinstein. Sure, that doesn't matter though. Okay, it's, well I was just trying to get people to under, like it was sort of a shorthand. I, I know it's okay. a, about Harvey Weinstein. Okay, but you guys are making the argument that there this movie doesn't have a message, that there's nothing deeper about this movie. And the deeper the deeper aspects are in how so many people can allow something that is so obviously I, wrong continue to happen. I think we happen. see the complicity. I don't. I don't think we. They. The, I don't think the filmmakers are interested or try at all to explain it. Yeah. And the scenes you are. See but it like, over here's the thing. And over the, the, and the over filmmaking again. is so subtle. The the sort of the modality of it, the style of it is so subtle. But what happens within the frame of that still frame is so over the top and so predictable like you watch this woman you watch this young lady you want to call her a girl because she looks so young i think that's part of it but she's she's the lowest end of the totem pole and she has to do all this awful work and one of the scenes she's doing you've you've, you've spent 20 or 30 minutes watching her go through her day and in one of the scenes she's doing the dishes in the sort of like office kitchen there and you Two women walk in. They don't acknowledge her. Most people in this movie who walk into a scene don't acknowledge her. And they sit there and they talk a little bit. And and one woman's holding a coffee cup. And I'm like, she's going to put that coffee cup down there and leave it for her. And that was the sole point of the scene is that this woman is here doing these people's dishes and they don't care about her at all. And it's so over the top. As if so there's a lot of people scenes would go in and uh, do that and not say not not one person says hello or how are you or this or that. And then. There's another scene there, which we talked about where she's she goes to HR, and we can talk more about that scene. Well, but that one, was, let's get to that in a second. There, there's a lot of moment. There's a lot of moments in this movie where there are things that are very on the nose. The Harvey Weinstein chairman character screaming at her on the phone, you know, forcing her to write an apology email twice, not once but twice in this movie. Stuff like that didn't totally work. I thought I thought there were some nice touches at times when they were doing that. She's getting screamed at on the phone. Meanwhile, her coworkers laughing and having a good time in the office on the other line. I thought stuff like that worked. But those bigger moments, those kind of on-the-nose moments, I agree 100%. I don't think those were really all that successful. The more subtle moments in this film, the quiet nature of it, the pacing of this movie, which is very consistent start to finish, I really yeah, liked. very, very consistent. And, and Jeremy, to your problem about this being the same five minutes over and over again... I, I hate the argument of, you know, when when you say a, a mo- something poorly is done, but they did that on purpose. There's a point to this movie being mundane and slow paced. And we're yeah, watching. I didn't have a problem with the pacing. But, but the idea of watching like the same scene over and over again, I get it on, on one hand, right? We see a lot of the same things happen, especially among those three characters kind of in her office, the two guys, the two younger guys in her. But. What we're meant to kind of understand is that the the procedural nature of what goes on in this office is what everybody has become comfortable with. 
and you, they make jokes about the women that go in and out of Weinstein's office. Uh, they make jokes about the woman that he has staying at a hotel. Uh, they, you know, they goof, goof around. They whatever it is, the the mundaneness, the repetition of everything that happens, is part of what creates this culture. Part of what makes these people complicit in these actions. And I think this whole movie is all about trying to find different, very subtle ways of telling us that and introducing us to that. And the scene in HR is a bigger example. And I want to talk about that specifically because I remember a long time ago, uh, I was at a, uh, I was in Virginia for something for work. And after the meetings, we were out to dinner. And on the way back to the hotel, several people were carpooling. And my HR rep was in my car with me. And she was on the phone basically front with a employee from the dinner all the way through the entire drive home. I could only hear one end of the conversation, but obviously this employee had an issue with something. And the entire time, all I could hear this HR rep doing was was essentially trying to get, trying to find a way, it wasn't quite as blunt as this, but essentially not trying, trying not to find a way to help this person. Wait, forcing them to be more specific and tell them exactly what it is. And until they got that, they weren't going to do anything. Again, only heard one end of this conversation. I don't really know exactly about it. But this scene reminded me of that. Now, this HR rep was far from innocent. But she doesn't come in there with a very convincing case. And she fumbles around. She's nervous. She's vulnerable. She's anxious. She doesn't exactly know how to do this. Um, She wants to report what she believes is... Uh, this the chairman basically being a predator to a new potential assistant that he has brought in from Illinois and is set up in a hotel and then goes to visit her at her hotel. And we've read the writing on the wall. We're quite certain that the HR rep can read the writing on the wall. But he is forcing her to give very specific examples of what she has evidence for, which she can't yeah, do because she and- hasn't seen anything. And I th- and I and I, that is essentially telling me because of the experience I had. That's an HR rep doing their job. And I agree. On I agree. Or and not, I like that. Becoming complicit I, in all of this. I like that part of the scene. And if the scene had ended there, I think that would have been effective. But then the scene ends with with him saying all this stuff about I got 400 other resumes and people wanting to have right. your job and then right. saying and that's why I say he's then, not then totally saying innocent. he's not your type don't worry like that was what took it like sure. okay but well also, he'd never like, say that she, and that uh, line doesn't work and but you you have a scene where you, you she is essentially put in a position where he says I can file this for you but then I will end up going through these 400 other resumes and somebody else will have your job and well, okay. that's not the right Wait. thing to say. I don't know if an HR rep would say that, no, but it I mean, is the, an example of what she's going through. The worst part about it is, is before she gets back to the office, everybody knows what's happened. So he's clearly yeah. told everybody. But I just want to say, like, I think, look, I don't want to get into, like, the politics of, of this stuff. But I, this reminded me a little bit of, I mean, a lot of ways the movie we, we did, the pieces of a woman reminded me of um, sometimes rarely, n- never sometimes. Never rarely, sometimes, always. Always. Um, but... That, you know, just just the way this film pushed on these really important scenes um, where, you know, th- the scenes where we imagine these these this complicity takes place, like the HR scene. I mean, she didn't give him anything to go on. I mean, like uh, the, 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 the reality is that this HR rep if he were a good person which he wasn't would have to have he can't put words in her mouth he can't lead her to a place that's exactly my point she's gotta she's gotta say something and she could say i think he's having sexual relations in his office inappropriately and inappropriate relationships with people at work but she doesn't and the scene like has this infuriating back and forth which i will admit that it's there's part of that that's intentional it's like I mean, if, like she's having trouble talking, but she went there to do something. She got the courage to to go in and 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 make this complaint, but she can't verbalize what she's talking about. And I found that I mean, I don't know. I don't know that the I don't want to be prescriptive. I don't know that the scene would be would have been any better had she actually said it. Um, but the film essentially acts like she did because he she, she she bears the consequences of it. He threatens her job. The HR rep threatens her job. Another. Um, 
succession in uh what's his name uh james mcfadden or whatever his name is um that actor uh and 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 he threatens her job and then she goes back and he's told everybody including the harvey weinstein character and so it's as if she she may have well the, even in the context of the movie she may have well have said it i so yeah and i and and there are pieces throughout this movie that that don't work you know i i obviously came on the pod prepared to vehemently defend this movie. I liked it. I did not love this movie. I think it has problems. I did not hate it by any stretch. Like, I think this is a good movie, and I think Julia Garner's performance is really good, especially in that HR scene, because you need to be convinced that she is unable to... She's fine. She's got these very amateur tricks that, that remind me of, like, what I thought I looked like when I was on stage in high school. You know, like... Um, and, and I like, she's in, she's a very big role in Ozark and I like her in Ozark, um, playing a very different type of role. But I, I think my main complaint with this movie, and I'd be curious, Jeremy, if it jives at all with what you, what you feel is that like everything is so over the top, but it's done in this subtle way. So it tricks you into thinking it's subtle, mm-hmm. but it's not a subtle movie. Nobody is nice to this poor woman. And that's the thing. I think, that's not entirely true. I think it's in- her- it would be interesting if people were nice to her, if it were a, a, a fun place to work, because, I mean, that's how her they look. The two to- guys that work with her are nice to her. No, they are It aren't. doesn't even have to be yeah, they fun. Are. They are definitely positioned as dicks and as part of the problem. They, they are positioned as men in a workplace that a, a woman has to deal with, but they are not, they are not dicks to her. They they try to help her write a cohesive email when they have to when she has to email their boss. They invite her for drinks after the day's over, even though they kind of know she's not going to go. They're they're re- they're nice to her. They but they are alphas in this situation in their own eyes. You know they they don't have to worry about the type of treatment that she does, and they know that whether it's consciously or not, and they act accordingly. And I think that's. A subtle example, not an on-the-nose, not an over-the-top example of the things that this movie is trying to outline. And there are moments in this movie that are on-the-nose and that are over-the-top. And I think those moments bothered you guys more than they bothered me. But as a result, they distracted you from, I think, a lot of the subtleties that were very effective in this movie. No, but I... I, Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. I tend to agree with with that, Lee. But... um, I also agree with I, I I agree with Chapin that this was just like even those guys they there were scenes where like the where the wife would call and then they would just be like they would just say you take it you're better at it and then like sort of lay back and go and start laughing and that's just like it's just that sort of stuff is, it isn't subtle it, okay it's so, too on the nose but the the action in that scene like the it, so totally fair. Right, the leaning back and laughing about it doesn't work. But the idea of them pawning this unwanted task off to the lowest person on the totem pole, who just happens to be a woman, and they can, does work. So well, they 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 pawn that one off on her because she's a woman, because right. she's yeah. an angry wife, and they think a woman should handle that. Right. So stuff like that works. Now to to you know to put the cherry on top of the scene for lack of a better term, where they kind of lean back and enjoy the rest of their day as she's doing the dirty work. That stuff doesn't work. There's a, it's in a very, you, you kind of did say this Chapin, but in a very subtle movie, there are moments when there's a very obvious lack of subtlety. And I think those are the I moments that don't work. The movie. I think on in every spots time throughout she goes the movie, in but it, I we, don't think it's consistent. We see her every up and down through the elevator system, and every time she's on the elevator, she's with someone from the office. In one case, she's with Patrick Wilson, which is sort of a funny little cameo there. And everyone is on their phone, and even this movie star is on his phone and doesn't let her in and 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 isn't polite to her. And like, look, I get. But what's that, wrong with that? Be- <laughs> Because it keeps happening over and over and over but again. That's what it's I talked like, about before. It's that, this this repetition, this mundaneness. Yeah, like yeah, everyday sure. life is like this. And behind the no, scenes of not, this though. everyday life is this you egregious, those, inappropriate behavior. You need those moments of like, why does she work here? Why does she keep doing that? Like, like if this really was her life, six, seven days a week, it's like 
I, I, I would think she would. Well, we don't find know. She's only job. been there for it's, a couple weeks. We it's learned. also so, more, but it's also more. It's more alluring and more interesting if, if the, the place to work is nice alluring and interesting yeah Guys, like we like, have had bad jobs for one reason or another course, when we were right, way down but, on the totem but, pole but, and we didn't leave just because the days were mundane no like, yeah, no, but no were, but there leave, was but, moments in those days like, that may have been interesting well, and we are men and, and, and so pe- maybe there's a difference here maybe a woman in that situation needs to stick it out longer maybe they have feel like they Wait, have to, a, a woman doesn't need like doesn't isn't allowed to have like some points of the day to be interesting and not repetitive uh, so in her position she might not feel like she has other options i'm just saying as the screenwriter or as the director of this movie put in a little something that that gives her a little bit of hope I mean, uh, like a high wait, we were like some we were with uh, some dick people but we weren't in a drab office there were people who okay. were nice. There's some exciting elements. There, there's an, there's an allure that this business brings people right. in. There's a reason why people go and work all these hours to be a part of it because it's but, there's something about that. And we didn't get that sense from this movie. She doesn't okay. have. No, I, I want. My, I have so many questions about this production office, and I've been in a million. But production my point, offices. yeah, that it's a de- I don't think we should get caught up it's on that. Production, it's, though. Sure, but I still don't think there would be like as many people as there were there. They, def- they definitely in, would have a better. They have an espresso machine at the very least. Okay, yeah. Let's let's not get wrapped up on that. It was a she weird, had a one, weirdly designed. She had designed. a one-liner behind her. She had just one page of a one-liner behind her head at her desk. Who would just pin up one page of a one-liner? Okay, I want to get back and to you- this point because. <sighs> I can't remember I what I was going to say. Uh, You've beaten me. We got him there. No, He's the old you, you boy have, speechless. We're, yes, we've had bad jobs. We've worked with dicks. I don't think this movie is trying to necessarily, just by evidence by the production office, I don't think it's totally concerned with like the authentic nature of what a day in a real office is like. That's what not it is what trying that's to not show. That's not what we're saying, Lee. We're yeah, saying well, you're that arguing you, two different we're things. We're saying that you need, you, one... You I don't. Need, you could break up the scenes to, for a little, for just Jeremy. I know you want to see one person level, be nice to, to her. No, just to break up the boringness of the movie. Second, it just provides a little more dimension to the situation. It's like, oh, now I understand maybe why she would stay around, or maybe I understand that like uh, this is a realistic thing. Not everybody in this office is a dick. Just the numbers okay. don't make Fair. sense. You know, like you would have somebody who was nice. I, and those are the type of people, the nice people that are greeting you and have the regular day jobs and the regular day life, who who are who pro- keep the industry going, but also keep people there to go. These are like the the people on the on on the front lines, you know, like they're okay. I I agree with what you're saying. I think there was there is possibly a scenario where Kitty Green, the the writer director made a conscious decision to try to avoid a cliche character that's nice to her, okay? And maybe, as a result, missed out on what you guys are looking for. The other thing I'm trying to point out is, and I would love to hear from some people on this, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com, that we are three men, and we have never, never been in this situation. We hear at one point in the movie that she's only been at the job for a few weeks, so maybe she hasn't even quite processed that this is all it is and it's not going to change and maybe she's going to quit tomorrow this is an all-in-one-day movie uh we kind of even see some urgings from her parents that maybe she's working too hard and maybe this isn't the right right option but i just think that a person in her situation a woman in her situation doesn't necessarily have or, or at least what this movie is trying to say and it's probably true doesn't necessarily have the luxury of just saying nobody's nice to me this job is boring it's the same every day so i need to quit and find something else okay but yes yes that's the whole point but you could do that in a more subtle way by giving her uh, something like some sort of glimmer of what she's like what she's trying to aspire to or why she was interested in the first place when i mean it tries to talk the the hr scene talk they talk about that in the the conversation she has she on the phone at the end with the with the chairman, he says something along those lines. Those, those moments are a bit on the nose, but it doesn't totally ignore okay. that there is upward mobility available to her. So, Lee, I'm going back to your previous point. When when all this stuff with Harvey Weinstein came out in the news, 
a sort of secondary villain emerged, and it was like all the assistants of Harvey's who made this stuff happen. The like the assistants who said, "No, actually, you're going to meet him in his hotel room and not in the lobby of the of the hotel." And you know, they I think people wanted were out for blood in a way, and I don't know if there was any ever any restitution to that. I don't know if any of those people ever got in trouble, but. You get a little hint of that here. You you mentioned that a little bit. I think you get a sense of maybe how this stuff happens. But what I wanted to understand is why those people stuck around. You know, like at the end of the day, I don't know if Harvey got through a bunch of assistance. If he if those if there was just turn over those people just turned over really a lot. Um, but there's something in Hollywood that keeps these assistants working for these people and complicit in what they do and helps them do these awful things and keeps them working there. Even when Harvey fell out of favor, for example, or when, um, and in some cases like JJ Abrams assistant eventually became one of his producers. I don't, maybe that's it, but there's no sense of that here. And I know this is one day. It's one and day. This is in the a, life. That's a, like a huge psychological sociological question that you're asking but, like we can we can apply that to so many things that are happening in the world like why are people f- following along with uh, the idea that an election was stolen like it's just the, sure but that's all I mean, sorts that, of nonsense that's a, that's like that's a central question of this story here sure I, what I, is the question that they're, that they're answering she, i don't know if that's what tr- this movie is asking though what's it asking though because i don't it's it's like she's treated badly that's the thing i get back like this is a fucking awful industry to be in people are dicks they're overworked they're upset. I think it's asking how phone. these people become complicit. Maybe an additional layer to this movie about why they stayed complicit would have been interesting. I don't know how you do that in an hour and a half and cover both those things. I think this movie is trying to outline how these people are complicit, how they became complicit, without essentially really ever doing anything wrong themselves. And I think that that's interesting. And I thought it was well done and well outlined in this movie how these people are just doing their job and you know maybe they one person thinks that th- something is happening is wrong but then the next day another person makes a quick joke about it and now it's kind of funny and now finding an earring in his office is funny now don't sit on that couch that becomes a joke and little by little it just becomes desensitized and i think this movie outlines that and and expresses it in a in a really effective way can I tell you the can I tell you the scene I did like in this that I liked a lot? It was the end scene when she goes to the diner after all this like mundane drab day she's had with also with the moral consequences and everything that's been weighing on her through the day and it's all been building up and her dad calls her and you could just like feel the warmth of a real world out there and like he's just like hey how's your day you you know you're off of work having no idea no clue about what what her like sort of reality is and that resonated with me. Yeah. That's a good point. All I could think that about was see how early she had to get up to get to work. And I was like, don't go to the diner. Go home and go to sleep. No, that that's Because really it was also Monday, we learned. Oh, was it? And she had a car. She got a car service to to work. That's nice. Well, I think I'm assuming it was an Uber. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, like yeah look, I mean, and, and I think one thing there's like, there's a difference between working in a development office in Hollywood and working in Harvey Weinstein's office. Those are two different things. We shouldn't necessarily equate one or the other. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. Some arguments on this podcast, but don't worry guys. We'll be back next week. We're all still friends and that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the get your film fix podcast feedback at get your film fix podcast.com Instagram also a good place to get us. Thank you. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.